On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we will be touching on the normal subjects of the dumbest thing we said last week. The smartest thing we said last week, we'll be talking about a popular personality, Todd Furman, who I had a little tete-a-tete with on Twitter earlier this week. We'll be giving you some college football plays that hopefully will do better than they did last week. We'll try to follow up on our 5-0 and o, uh, Super Contest pick from last week, and we'll be talking about a friend that's near and dear to both Rufus and I and discussing on whether we think he's a tout or a sharp. As always, the Sports uh, Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app, which is free on the iTunes store and is the best way for you to track all of your sports betting uh, knowledge, information, games, get all of the updated lines, etc. So check it out, Sports Action on iTunes. And with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode seven of the Bet the Process podcast, which we are finally on the iTunes store. So just search for us at Bet the Process and subscribe. Um, where we on this episode will talk through our new segments: dumbest thing we said last week, smartest thing we said last week, and we'll get into some college and pro futures and some college value, pro value. We'll try to follow up on a five and O. Oh, five and O. Oh, I said that. Super contest pick, and then we'll try to give you some survivor picks. So, as always, I welcome in Rufus Peabody from somewhere in Croatia. Is that correct? I'm in Prague now, actually. Oh, wow! Is that beautiful better city. than Croatia? Or yes, it's it's a beautiful city. Interesting. Um, okay, so let's start with dumbest thing we said last week. Uh, we were one and three in the college picks we gave, which I assume was sort of an unfortunate sampling of your picks. Um, but what do you think happened is, you know, game grades, thoughts around Oklahoma State, Kentucky, and Bowling Green, which were the three losers? Well, they didn't lose by a lot, if I recall correctly. And, you know, Oklahoma State, they, you know, they certainly didn't play great. But they they actually, in fact, they actually outplayed Texas Tech by a lot more than seven points. They graded as the ninth best team of the week. Texas Tech graded all the way down at number... Um, number 79. So basically, I, I expected, the based on the fundamentals, Oklahoma State should have won that game by like 30. Yeah, the yardage difference was pretty huge. And um, even in watching that game, it was, seemed you know incredible that Texas Tech was within a score and was, was even tied, obviously. Um, but every time Oklahoma State seemed to want to move the ball, they were able to move it sort of at will. Um, but unfortunate, that was not um, a winner that we gave you guys. Um, in terms of uh, the dumbest thing I said, I wanted to highlight an exchange I had with Todd Furman, who will be covering uh, later in uh, the touts uh, or sharp segment of our podcast. After the terrible beat, uh, would you call what would you call that beat on Monday night if you had the under and the Redskins plus seven? I mean, that's kind of almost as bad as they can get. I think somebody once had actually had 
a team plus three and a half runs in college baseball, a team that was down four going into the bottom of the ninth inning, and they somehow tied the game, loaded the bases, and then hit a grand slam. So I think that's a slightly worse maybe, but not much. I do think that this is one of those things where you highlight sort of the what is a bad bet, and I think one of the, I'm sorry, bad beat, and I think one of the things that made this such a bad beat was that if you were a under or skins backer, pretty much no at no point in that game were you worried. Uh, that oh, you not were at certainly all. That you were going to lose. Um, like even even the the closest time that there was a thought that you might lose, at least for the skins, was when. Uh, Kansas City scored to go up by three, but then Washington went right down the field and scored again. And so, you know, after that game, obviously I was, uh, I was, you know, bummed, uh, having been, a uh, a skins and I actually had the skins in the second half, which was, that's what I had as well. at that point. Yeah. Right. That was a Plus push six. at that point. So, um, you know, in both cases, when that happened, I was just like, this is incredible. And then to look at Todd Furman's tweet, which he said, while the wound is still fresh, if you can't laugh at one of the most ridiculous finishes ever, even skins betters, you're betting too much. And I replied to him, seriously, do you actually bet? And then there was a big back and forth on Twitter where he basically took the high road saying, hey, you know, I've had plenty of bad beats in my life. And, you know, I, I just have to if I let it bother me, blah, blah, blah. Now, I obviously no betting um i've lost a hundred thousand dollars on two hands of blackjack before and had to back bounce back from that i get you know variance and you know having to not uh be overcome by recency bias or emotion or anything like that but that kind of beat i think if you're better it's fine to stew on it for 24 hours it's it's really hard not to and i would I would say that anyone that is able to just be that numb to that kind of a beat, um, especially immediately, like I, I don't know very many people that can do that. And I would I would say that someone that just can so easily dismiss that is either someone that isn't betting very much money or someone that isn't betting at all or someone that doesn't even understand the psyche of a gambler. And it bothers me when someone or doesn't have a lot of emotional intelligence, maybe. I don't know. I mean, if you don't feel things in general. Yeah. Then you're not and, really living or you're a psychopath or something. I don't know. Sociopath. And and I think the 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 one point that was a good point that was put back to me was that people do tend to overbet and people do tend to react too emotionally to things sometimes. And but I don't and and so if that was the point that was made, I'm fine with that, but I don't think that's the point he was making. And I just have a problem with people that give gambling advice and to me clearly don't understand the psyche of a gambler because that's part of giving gambling advice. And to say to someone, Hey, while the wound's still fresh, almost rubbing in your face is like someone that to me, I just want to tell them to just, you know, go fuck off basically. Well, it sounds like he was basically saying that that that's not the mentality of a professional gambler or someone that's doing it for a living. They need to be more detached. Whereas your average recreational better is probably, you know, sweating the games a lot more like i i watched that game i watched that game the next morning because it was you know it started at 2 a.m prog time and thank you thank god for nfl game pass i can watch the game in 40 minutes with no time between plays it's amazing and i didn't even know the score um and actually i um didn't even know that i had plus six but uh but i 
I don't know. I feel like it's one game, right? Yeah, I think, you know, there's something to be said for that. It's one game. It's, you know, Furman followed up with becoming a long-term winner. Uh, winning sports better requires looking at the big picture. You can't get too high or too low after any single outcome. And I certainly agree with that. Um, I agree 100% principle. with that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I just think the thing that bothered me was this notion that right after something like that, um, you just rub it in someone's face and say, like, oh, just – you know, laugh at it. And I, I, I think that's kind of hard. Um, but again, like you and I know like people like Dr. Bob often say they don't even watch games. Um, so, you know, well, I think also the longer you do this, the more things are going to happen. I mean, you do have, you're going to have bad beats like this. You're going to win bets like that too. I love how we're talking about it's a, such a bad beat, but you know, half the people are really happy about this. Yeah. Well, it's probably more it than is, half. I, I think it's interesting though because like that was the that was in the percentile of bad beats as bad as you get to me. Yeah, uh, I those, mean like those last plays, those plays always scare me though. Uh, you know when when you have a team that's you know that's covering yeah. the points and they have that one last play with all the laterals, you're like, okay, please, you know, just go down, ball, don't yeah. fumble, and if the, if the, if the opponent recovers, please just go down too. Just you know? go down. It, it's not smart for it wasn't smart for Houston to run it, and he should have just gone down because he could have gotten stripped by Jordan Reed there. Yeah, I know. I, I, he almost did. I mean, if Jordan Reed had put a teeny bit more effort into it, that probably would have been a fumble through the end zone. All right. Anyways, let's let this go because obviously it's it's uh, it's over. It was a bad beat. Um, you probably obviously just... you haven't let it go yet, though. <laughs> well, I haven't let my conversation with Furman go, and I was kind of because we were pretty smart last week. I was actually looking for some dumb things. We said, and, you know, generally the reaction on Twitter was pretty mixed in terms of people saying like, you know, like you do need to move on or you, you know, it's okay to stew about something like this. Okay. Well, smartest other, thing other, we said last week. The smartest thing we said. Pick, yeah. I think those are picks, five and oh, five and oh jets, Carolina, Philly, Niners, LA Rams. Um, we picked and, and five I dogs. Think, well, actually maybe the stupidest thing I said was that, I was going to tell you afterwards that San Fran, like I, I told you right then that San Fran was the wrong side and that I, I wanted to put that on the record that I didn't like that pick and San Fran was clearly the right side. Well, in well, interest. I mean, it's, I think it's funny because we often say these things when we go back and look at games and we say, oh, that was the right side, but it's still a sample size of one. So in that game, the way it played out, yes, that was the right side. But if that game had been played a hundred times, who knows? And, um, you know, Looking at that game, it, it seems clear that San Francisco's defense is a little bit better than people think. I mean, people are saying that they're the worst defense in the league. I was listening to RJ Bell's podcast, and they just kept talking about, you know, Matt Holt kept talking about how San Francisco is the worst defense in the league. And I don't, I don't think they are. Um, and it seems like on really? offense, they are. What's up? Who's worse? I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I you think they're the worst defense in the league? Certainly, late they've held some teams um, to you know the only the only team that's really blown up on them is the Rams, um, and the Rams have sort of blown up on everyone. Actually, you're right; they're not the worst. I have New Orleans, Cleveland, and Indy all worse. There you go. See, not the worst. So it's just not like the worst. Gary says. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, why were we successful? We picked five dogs. Dogs seem to be the 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 way for us so far this year. Um, well, most of the big favorites lost outright last week. Yeah. 
it was a bad week for survivor picks um and we can go on to that uh later in the in the pod uh let's move on to this week in futures um college futures where do you see value i i assume that we're going to have some value on ohio state who is now just kind of lurking in the background everyone's kind of forgotten about them this is sort of the classic ohio state mo where they're just going to emerge and rise from the phoenix and end up in the uh, Big Ten champ, Big Twelve, or whatever it's called, Big Ten championship, um, and then end up, you know, in the in the in the playoffs, right? Yeah, and I think there was some overreaction to some of the scores early on in the season. You know, they were played out Indiana close before blowing them out in the fourth quarter, but actually thoroughly outplayed them. They had one of the best performances of last week in beating UNLV fifty-four to twenty-one. But most people don't look at that score and say Ohio State had like. They don't look at it and say, oh, that's a better performance than TCU against Oklahoma State, even though I do. And last week, you know, they blew out Rutgers 56 nothing. That's the second best performance of the week behind Alabama, of course, Alabama. And so, yeah, they're, they're down to 6-1 to one about in, uh, in the Massey Peabody numbers, 6.6 to 1. It looks like offshore you can get them right around 10 to 1 now, so I think there's good value there. And I think the other team um, that there's a little bit of value on is Oklahoma at about 14 and a half to one. I make them 13 to one. Interesting. We had a big upset last week, obviously with, well, not big. It was only a four point spread or I guess it went up to like five, some places, but Washington state beating USC from a headline standpoint is an upset and a big upset. Uh, Are you buying Washington state? Not one bit. I have them with the 2.7%, 2.4% chance of making the playoff. And if I made a true price on them to win the college football playoff, it would be 728 to one. So they won that game. I think that they're more than like more likely than not to lose to Oregon this weekend. So then where do you see value in college this week? Um, I guess I'll kind of run down. Probably don't want to give out all these um, maybe highlight some. Uh, I say I say we go with the bigger games, the ones that are going to have more public interest. Yeah, what like do LSU plus three and a half at Florida. You see some value. I on do. I LSU think, at th- three and a half. Yeah, I think they should be a one point favorite there. Obviously, they've are been you, playing like crap, but you can't overreact to to just a small sample size. They have, they're a very talented team. Are you accounting for the quarterback change for Florida there? I am. Okay. So that's probably Indeed. part of it. That that and that line has moved from like five to three and a half, and assuming that's basically on the quarterback news, um, or on you betting one of the two, uh, you still are a backer of Florida State plus three versus Miami. I am again. It's something. It has to do with the priors, and Florida State is not as bad as the record. Obviously, I think that they should be a small favorite here, a two point favorite. And and also you're right. There's the quarterback situation there, and I have that factored in to the best of my ability. But I still think Florida State. Um, well, in college, the quarterback is not generally as important as the pros. And I think Florida State. Um, yeah, they should be a small favorite. I'll take the three points. And then you have the wrong team favored in Minnesota Purdue, which is you know eight eight points of value. Now eight points of value across two sort of you know across zero. Is this more valuable, less value than sort of eight points in a 27-point spread game? Eh. Um, you know, you go across both field goals, though, plus three and minus three. So, right. I mean, that those are two very, I mean, those are the most key numbers. But you're right. Well, that's why, you know, that's why I'm asking. One. Uh, I, you know, I don't have that 
right offhand. It, it's going to depend on the numbers, I think, in the blowout game. But I think I, I would think this is probably still more, just because the three is worth that much. Well, that, that's that's what I was at. that's what I was wondering. Uh, I mean, maybe as much as in we can the cover NFL. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. So no, I think I think the wrong team's favored, right? I mean, Purdue's been a big overachiever this season, but I think this is one where I'm sticking with the priors. I think a lot of people think that at this point in the season, preseason expectations shouldn't matter, like a team's recruiting, all that stuff how they did last year, but uh, and our, our, my model shows that it still does, as counterintuitive as that may seem, and so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to fade Purdue here. Another underdog. And then and the finally, last one, I'm going to go with Navy. I, I, like, I, like, I like us when we bet on a service academy, certainly a, a Navy is <laughs> Navy is one of the worst teams to bet against when they're playing a bad team and certainly, like we always seem to have, uh, Na- we always seem to be against Navy and on the under in the second half against Navy, which always is the sort of this painful thing. But you have Navy should be a fourteen point favorite against Air Force and are only seven half point favorites. So you like Navy there? I do. Although I don't know if we get the karma for betting on a military academy if they're playing another military academy. Oh wait, Air Force is a military academy also. <laughs> yeah. Did you not realize that? No, that That's was hilarious. Joke. That okay. was a joke, Rufus. Like Pete, everyone talks about the Army and the Navy, but no one gives the Air Force any credit. What so about the Coast Guard? They don't get anything. Yeah, the Coast Guard doesn't. Um, Coast Guard Academy is like a Division Three school, so yeah. that's probably why they don't get as much credit. I mean, we all it all lumps down to sports in these days. All right, moving on to NFL. Uh, Cincy's revenge. Are we are we now on Cincy at plus twenty three hundred twenty three twenty three thousand five hundred? Well, I'll take him at plus twenty three thousand. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, I'm going to be on Cincy every week on the futures. At least it seems like just because of how anchored I am to the prior still, and how I think. And Cincinnati had the best performance of any team last week. I know it was against the Browns, but I just for that, you know, the Browns scored that last touchdown in garbage time too. Yeah, so I, I think Cincy should be about fifty-eight to one in the futures, two thirty-five. Yeah, I mean it's painful though every week to 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 like Cincy there. It it, it is painful because it doesn't feel like it's a good bet. Yeah, but, I mean, but it's it's interesting this week, right? Because Cincy is one and three, and they're playing against Buffalo, who is what three and one. Um, and is Buffalo three and one? Let's see, they beat they lost to Carolina. They beat the Jets. Uh, Wait, we can figure this out. Buffalo really Bills. www.google.com. They are three and one. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So three and one, one and three, and since he's favored by three. So that alone should tell you that you're not the only one that respects Cincinnati. I'm glad to hear it. Or actually, not really, but I wish they Normally were not we- here. Normally we interrupt each other, but when I make a point about Cincinnati Bengals, Rufus is just speechless, and we have dead air. So, and again, dead air about Cincinnati. Okay, so well, any yeah, other things? So, in the so, so the teams I touted for the futures last week, I went with the the huge, huge, ginormous long shots. It was like Cincinnati, Cleveland, and the Jets, and two of those three teams won, and are suddenly not twenty five hundred to one, but are like in the hundreds, right? Right. Again, uh, but the problem is you can't really bet in and out of these things, so it's really hard to capture that value. That's so true. Although what's interesting is looking at, uh, I, I always like looking at ESPN FBI's future stuff and Football Outsiders. And, and ESPN FBI this week, 
Like, I, I really don't think they account for any possibility of a team's rating changing over the course of the season when they do their simulations, which, which I'm assuming they're doing simulations because uh, there's no way they had, they had the Ravens at like 20.5% or maybe it's 24% to make the playoffs, but less than a 0.1% chance to win the Super Bowl, meaning that they basically are like 200 to one to win the Super Bowl if they make the playoffs. And that just seems that does not pass the eye test. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, I think some of these times when we think about these futures, part of it is grounded on the fact that if they make, um, just like you were saying, if they make the playoffs, they're going to be, uh, it will mean that they've been a better team. And certainly their odds in the playoffs will be better um, than they would be, you know, thinking about what they are right now. So exactly. there is like this change. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a pretty simple thing. I mean, I don't. It, it's not necessarily easy to model, but it's it's it's. I feel like everybody can conceptually understand that, right? Yeah, it's in, it's it's somewhat intuitive, and it it makes sense. And again, like doing analytics, you always want things to pass the laugh test, and things like that don't really pass the laugh test. Well, now they so, have Kansas City as plus two sixty to win the Super Bowl. I feel like every week they're just they're, it, it, their numbers are just yo yoing around. Like, plus, the Kansas like, City I, thing is interesting because, like, I was looking at your game grades, and and you guys rated uh, Washington's performance obviously higher than Kansas City. Um, I was watching that game, and and uh, although Kansas City scored on every drive in the second half, um, a lot of that was the Redskins just like hemorrhaging players, and then there was just so many critical third down conversions that Kansas city either got or got via penalty. And, and we know that kind of stuff, like how, how predictive is third down success rate? Well, it's as, it's as predictive as first and second down. It's like a play and the team is trying their hardest on that play, just like they are in first and second down. So it it matters, but it's more a a team that like played really, really well in third down in a game. I feel like they're probably going to, have overperformed their peripherals because third down is the most important in terms of explaining how a team does in a game. Right. So in other words, in other words, it's explanatory, but not as predictive. So in other words, if, if I'm, if my third down success rate is an outlier from my first down and second down success rate, that's likely to sort of correct itself. Right. And that's why I was against the Raiders all last season. I believe like they were a team that was really good on third down. I think both on offense and defense. And, you know, as a result, I think that they were, they scored more points than they should have. All right. Let's move, for that. <laughs> Let's move on to Mythbusters, Faderade. Uh, we asked for some suggestions on Twitter um, and, and some things that people were talking about were, were trends. Um, and, you know, they were asking specifically about certain trends. Uh, I think broader question really is around trends themselves and do trends matter? Um, when do they matter? Do they ever matter? Um, and what it, are any, are there any trends that you actually look at? So let's start and off. You, with you know, of, I have strong opinions with this, Jeff. Sure. You know, I have a very strong opinion. Yeah. And I know you have a strong it. opinion as well. Let's hear it. Well, I mean, trends can be defined in a lot, in a lot of different ways, but in general, especially when it's these trends against the spread, like, Oh, a team, somebody asked me about, a uh, team coming off of a blowout loss on a primetime game 
the next week they're going to be undervalued and there's value there. And like I Googled it, not Googled it. I looked at it in my database and they were like something like 79 and 107 against the spread the next week. So I don't think hunting for these trends that beat the market is the way to go. I think the markets get more efficient. And if there is something there to it, you should be able to quantify that. Like if the fact is, you know, let's say, I mean, well, that's a situation. I guess that particular trend is one where it's predicated just entirely on a market overreaction. So if you're handicapping the game yourself, you don't even need to include that. But if people talk about momentum or, I don't know, stuff like that, um, if you could quantify that, then it's not a trend. It's just part of the fundamentals of your model. Yeah. I So I think the thing with trends is there are a few different problems with trends. I think one... Uh, is small sample size. So a lot of times you will see trends and people will quote very small samples. And so, you know, three and one, four and two, whatever, that doesn't mean anything. The second is stationarity or stability. So if you're doing a trend of a team um, where you have a large sample size, oftentimes that team, um, you know, like is a very different team. Like if you're talking about Jacksonville or someone uh, losing, you know, there is a a very fundamentally different team. So how can you actually quote, what does that trend actually mean? And then finally, the real problem with trends is that you don't know if these things are correlated or causal. And what I mean by that, and and if anyone doesn't study statistics, just because something's correlated with something doesn't mean that it actually causes that. And it doesn't actually mean that it's predictive going forward. It could just be coincidence or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it, it's hard to know that. And the only way to know if something's really correlated versus causal is to do actual experimentation or to do like more complicated things called like propensity analysis where you're controlling different variables to look at things. Um, this is pretty complicated stuff. And obviously, we can't set up experiments uh, in the NFL and tell certain teams to do certain things. So I think trends are just very, very dangerous just because they are narratives um, and they are very interesting to talk about. Um, I heard a trend that the, you know, one of the reasons um, that people liked the, um, I guess, Tennessee this week was that Dick LeBeau was 28 and four against rookie quarterbacks. And so that's one of the reasons they liked him, like, you know, going against Deshaun Watson. Um, These trends mean nothing often. And I think that you have to be very careful to focus on trends. You know, my favorite trend. I looked this up before last season. I don't know how it's held up, but the team but that covers like, wins a hundred percent of the games. Uh, that they cover. That's no, my wait. second favorite. But my first favorite is that in college football in the last 10 years, te- schools whose names start with an O have covered 55% over 900 games. <laughs> that's really, really statistically significant. So basically just bet on all the O teams every week. Yeah. Obviously is- there's some market inefficiency there. There's there's a market bias against O teams. This is uh, something that um, you see a lot. I think one of the people that probably is the most legitimate that uses trends is Dr. Bob, and he uses a lot of crazy trends from a crazy database that are, um, and he makes sure that they are statistically significant. That's one of one of the big things he does. But I think the problem, again, is that when you think about this, and, and I think a lot about this now about you know data science and big data in general, is it's so much more about science than it is about math and looking at large sample size for patterns without 
any hypothesis or understanding of why they are what they are. You know, like if you see a trend and you can kind of deconstruct it and say like, well, that kind of makes sense and here's the hypothesis, ideally you'd be able to test it to see whether it's actually causal versus correlated. But at least if there's a hypothesis behind it, you know, there's some science behind it, some understanding behind it, I can maybe think, okay, that's interesting, that's worth looking at more. But sometimes these trends you see and they, they make no sense, but people are like, well, it's statistically significant, so I'm going with it. And I, I have real problems with that. But what, what, what gets, I mean, even if you do have an, a hypothesis you're testing, it's still pretty data mining. I mean, you can, you're probably testing a bunch of different hypotheses you have and you come up with one and, and you know, most of them, there's probably nothing. And then the one, you, you find something on one and you're like, oh, well, I have a narrative for it that I knew about before I went into this, but still you're, you're going to get one of these ones that you thought might be significant that is going to be significant just due to randomness anyway. I mean, yeah. more, more than likely. Yeah. All right, let's save the uh, public conversation, fading the public. Let's save that for next week because we can sort of cover that at a, a different time and c give it a little bit more um, time. So let's talk a little bit about Tout or Sharp this week. And um, the first person I, obvious, I want, obviously want to cover is, is the person who vilified me on Twitter, Todd Furman. Um, I know he's a, supposedly a former bookmaker. He hosts a... Ticket writer? Is he a ticket writer? I, I thought I he was know. just behind the counter. Yeah. One of the reasons that people on Twitter got mad at me is they said, you realize that Todd Furman says stupid stuff all the time, and this is the thing that you're going to pick out to pick on him about? And I'm like, I didn't know he said stupid stuff all the time. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that people always give him crap about is whether he actually bets. Um, he hosts a podcast. He's partnered with a guy, uh, Payne Insider, who runs a sort of tout service as I was looking at it. Um, I mean, I would say that Todd is certainly not a sharp. Um, I think one of the things that would probably be interesting in this segment is to define the tout sharp sort of context. Um, can you be a sharp if you don't really gamble? I don't think so, because I do think part of um, being a sharp is not only being able to pick winners, <coughs> but also being able to understand money management, understand swings, understand um, the emotion that goes into making bets. So I don't think you can be a sharp if you don't really gamble. Um, really? If you sell. Yeah, I don't. You, you think you can? I don't think the money management or emotional reaction to games has anything to do with whether you're sharp. I think the sharp is purely based on your analytical abilities. It's why someone like um, a guy we're going to talk about, I think Ed Fang is very, very smart in terms of his numbers, um, I think he's a, he's a great mathematical mind, but I'm not, I don't know if he might not have the betting knowledge and I still would call him sharp. I guess there's a difference between being sharp and being a sharp and being Warren sharp. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think I, I think it's hard for me to separate the actual act of, betting and moving markets and like the whole concept of a sharp to me is someone that is is in there in the trenches and is is moving lines and is you know dealing with um getting the best number or or all the stuff like being able to sit back on your laurels and say oh i think this is a good bet at this number or putting out analytics. Um, I don't think that you're a sharp for doing that. Like, I think 
you know, like there was a point where Aaron Schatz was doing groundbreaking analytics on football outsiders. Um, but he, to me, could never be called a sharp because he had no real concept of how those numbers dovetail to, to gambling and to gambling so, lines. It sounds like you're talking about uh, the, the word sharp and advantage player synonymously. Would you agree with that? Yes. I so think you could I have am. a sharp a sharp that isn't that doesn't do sports betting like that plays advantage video poker or something like that or blackjack for that matter and counts cards is someone who counts yes. cards and blackjack a, sh- a sharp I I, th- I think I am calling a sharp an advantage player but there is some notion that um, probably advantage players and and this actually gets into a really interesting concept and I think a lot of the reason that people give us will will give us crap about doing this podcast it's that an advantage player has zero reason to educate the market or to do anything publicly whereas a sharp or a tout a tout certainly is out there trying to talk to the public um it's just it's like this is the the inherent vice of sort of sharing gambling information well i think i think we obviously both you have to have some sort of an ego to be doing something like this or or crave some amount of recognition, I guess. But also, I think we both genuinely like talking about this stuff and sort of explaining things to people. Yeah, I, I like I like raising the conversation around this stuff, which is which is something I think is really important, which people don't really do. Um, so back to our our really important game, which is Todd Furman, Tout or Sharp. I'm certainly going to go with Tout. Um, I you know he partners with. Bet online as a sports book and is constantly shilling for that on his podcast. Um, and, you know, probably taking, I don't know, referrals or whatever. I don't know how all that stuff works. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's actually a pretty talented host. He sounds pretty good on his podcast, but I don't really hear a lot of intelligent stuff coming out of his mouth in terms of analysis of the games. And, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll go with tout. Does he sell picks? I feel like you have he, to sell I don't picks think he, to be a tout, right? I don't think he himself sells picks, but I'm not sure. So, so maybe he shills for touts, but if he doesn't sell picks, uh, I would say you can't be a tout without selling picks. I think it's just but sort this, of in what this a game, tout you is. Have to either be a, in this game, you have to either be a tout or sharp. There's no in-between. You have to decide one or the other. Okay, I mean, then you might as well be like, okay, Bill Clinton, tout or sharp? I mean, <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, he's David, not David Purdom. Like, I feel like Furman, what you're making it sound like, I mean, I, I've never listened to his podcast, but he's more of a, it sounds like he's more of a insider or trying to be, I don't know, like more journalistically inclined. I, All right. Well, let's, let's move on from him. I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's a sharp, but yeah. Okay. Next. So let's, let's just call him not sharp then. Ed Fang. Okay. Ed We've Fang. talked about Ed a lot. I mean, I, Personally, for, for disclaimer: Ed is a Ed is a very very smart guy. Ed is a great guy. Um, Ed's a friend of I us both. Have, what's that? Ed is both of our friends. Yes, I, one of my two I friends. do have a problem with him selling picks as he as he's done in the past. I've um, he's actually been the subject of a bunch of questions that I've gotten directly on Twitter, specifically like, should I buy his picks? Should I buy? Should I subscribe to his service? Um, and obviously, I, I don't know because I don't. I haven't I haven't subscribed to a service and I haven't looked at his stuff. Um, my, you know, my thought is that the reason I think that this whole sharp concept and advantage player Rufus is important is because 
unless you've gone through some some considerable amount of actually betting on games, it's hard to know if the stuff that you're betting on really works or the stuff that you're espousing really works. All right, so so finishing up on Ed, because obviously Rufus is not as fond as this segment as I am. Um, you know, I, I don't think I don't I would not call Ed a sharp simply because I don't think he's gone through the struggles and the, has had the time horizon of betting on games to understand whether his stuff is actually um, a money maker over time. And the only way that you can do that is by actually having gone through seasons and time to know that what you're doing, your methods, your process works and having sort of the results to back that up. Um, it sounds like you think that you would call it a sharp. I would, but we also define sharp differently. So, yeah. Okay. And Ed, I'm welcome. I'm, I'm, uh, I welcome coming on to your show at some point to debate this with you. So, um, I don't want you to think that we're doing this in a vacuum behind your back. I'm happy to chat with you about it on your wonderful podcast, which Rufus has been on before. Um, twice. Okay. So you've been on twice. Great. So let's move on to our super contest picks. Um, this may be a little challenging this week. And I think we will reserve judgment on our actual final picks until we get the actual lines. Um, we'll tweet out what they are. So you can follow Rufus and I. We'll tweet them out as a final um, before we put them into the contest. But let's just go quickly over um, at first glance what we would like um, by opening the handy sports action app and trying to understand uh, what where we see value. Um, Rufus, you want to go first this time? I went first last time. Um, okay, uh, I will do that. I will go with. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take some favorites here. I'm gonna take the Giants minus three and a half. Okay. And I like that also. I'm also going to take Cincinnati minus three or two and a half or whatever it is. It's three. Damn you! I should have gone first this time. You would have taken Buffalo, huh? Uh, I would not have taken. No, no, no. I would not have taken Buffalo. I would have taken Cincinnati. I actually like Cincinnati. Ah, I mean, I'm both, okay. Buffalo is one of those cases. I think they still have like a negative uh, yardage differential. Last week, their win against Atlanta was was pretty misleading. Atlanta was missing Very. Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu. They got a couple of big turnovers. They had that one big play that turned everything. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly like Cincy minus three there. Um, I'm going to go with Seattle um, plus hopefully one, two points, um, in LA. Uh, I, you know, will need to look at our numbers more, more closely, um, afterwards. And then, uh, let's see here. Two games. What's that? I'm hoping it's one of two games. Um, let's see here. I, I'm assuming that, we could see some value. God, there's some ugly teams on the road that I really would like to bet on, but they're just not getting enough points. Um, uh, they're ugly teams, like bad teams. Well, there's bad teams playing bad teams, right? There's ah. San Francisco playing Indy. There's the Jets playing um, Cleveland. See, I'm looking more at like good teams playing good teams or teams that have good records. Say so maybe like a Dallas or something or Detroit. Um, well, the other side, but yes. So you like Carolina. I like Carolina and Green Bay. Um, 
Yeah, I like Carolina. I'd, I'd be fine with Carolina as a play. Um, and then you like Green Bay? Yeah, I think they should be a small favorite. I know they have you know Ty Montgomery injury, the rib. I hope for my fantasy team that he's back. But you know, it's a running back. I'm I'm not, uh, you know, I, you know how I feel about running backs. I think they're pretty replaceable. And so yeah, I yeah, think I mean, they'll be I think they'll be fine now that they've had some practice. I think last week with Ty Montgomery with the cluster injuries that they had, you know, Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams going out, leaving them with sort of the third stringer. Um, they had a situation where it seemed like they couldn't run a lot of plays based on him being in there, and that that definitely hurt them against Chicago. I bet. So I bet. I'd like one that. thing we're not probably thinking about is the blocking and in him, the new running back, um, Aaron. Somebody I know I didn't get him in my waiver wire, but I think it's it's Aaron Schatz. Yeah, he yeah he's having some problems with the blocking schemes. I think yeah, that's well, one that's, thing that people don't think about with the running back. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like when you get a new guy in there, one of the problems is that they, they you just can't run as many plays for them sometimes because they don't know the plays quite as well. And then, like you said, protection and and, and those types of things. Um, okay, I'm fine with that as our pick. So we got Giants. Uh, what's that? I said we got five. Yeah, we got Giants. We got Cincy. We got uh, Carolina. We got Green Bay, and we Seattle. have Seattle. And I will, we will again tweet out our finals. Uh, Rufus is at Rufus Peabody. I'm at Jeff Ma on Twitter. We'll tweet out what our finals are for our, our super contest picks. So you have those. And then finally, moving on to Survivor for this week. This is um, a tough week. It is. It is. And last week, a lot of people got out. Um, I survived uh, with. Uh, you know, some some pretty lucky picks. I actually had Arizona as one of mine, and I had Seattle. Um, I guess Seattle wasn't lucky. They ended up blowing them out. Uh, this week, the top five picks that I'm looking at are, are New England at Tampa Bay. Um, that actually is one of the top picks that people have. Uh, Pittsburgh hosting Jacksonville. The Giants hosting the Chargers. Cincinnati hosting Buffalo. And Tennessee at Miami. Um, those are... Those are tough. And then I guess Philly at Arizona is is one that I would like. Um, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville, I think, is the safest. Um, it's going to be very popular. And Pittsburgh obviously still has some decent future value. Although the biggest future value I think they have are week seven when they play Cincy and week 10 when they play Indianapolis. Um, so, you know, we, by week 10, a lot of people may be done with this thing. Um, I think for me, for me, I really like, I like either the Giants or Cincy as my picks because I don't think either of them will be that popular. Um, both of them, I think that there is an advantage over what the market says. Um, they're both a little bit risky, but I'm okay with that at this point. I was going to say the same thing. Those are the ones I like as well. So you're just me too thing. here? Yeah, basically. I'm a me too. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. We have our uh, podcast episode seven in the books um any last parting words for our listeners no not nothing i could think of sorry you're gonna work out you're gonna have to work on some insight i need a closing line or something yeah yeah and that's yeah. the way so the cookie we'll crumbles on that. this is a work this is a work in progress and you know as always would love to get feedback from you guys on twitter uh about things you'd like to see changed and what you think of tout or sharp as a segment um rufus doesn't really like it so Unless people tell us they like it, maybe we'll stop doing it. Um, like, tell us what segments. Ice. 
Tell us what segments you like and what segments you don't like and what you want more of. Yeah, for sure. Okay, thanks for thanks again this week. Um, as always, we're brought to you by the Sports Action app, uh, free on the iTunes Store. Go grab it. Best way to track all of your sports betting and best way to see updated lines. And uh, it's, a, it's a great it's a great app. So check it out. <laughs>